Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Well, good morning again. Glad to see everyone here. It's, it's really cool. I love that you guys, you know, whenever it's like rainy and dark and stuff like that, a lot of times people are like, ugh, at church, right? But you guys worshiped and you got in God's presence and you remembered how good he was. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, I'm really uh, happy to be sharing with you guys this morning. We're kicking off a new series called Down to Earth, and I'll explain that in just a moment before I do. I just, I just want to say thank you to Laura Williams and the stage design team. Doesn't our Christmas set? It looks cool, doesn't it? Really cool. I think Tiffany only got poked twice by the tree back there while she was playing bass. Uh, oh, no, it was more? Okay, it was more. But y'all can pray for her. She'll be fine. Um, so, so, yeah. Um, so, another thing I want to let you know, and, and this is... This is not fair what I'm about to do to you. I'm about to tease you about something next week, but we actually have a really big announcement about the life of VFC coming up next Sunday. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I want you to come next week to find out, um, but it's, it's really exciting. We're really pumped about what God's doing here, and so um, I, I think you'll enjoy the announcement that we're going to make. And so next week, just want to tease you a little bit that we're going to be uh, sharing something really cool that will be happening at VFC starting uh, next year. So we're talking about being down to earth, down to earth. And I was, I was praying over, you know, how I wanted to, what I wanted to share um, this, this Christmas season here at VFC. And I was thinking about the fact that everyone likes Jesus. Like, like, you know, I've talked with a lot of people that, like, don't believe or are struggling in their belief. Talk with people who, you know, adhere to other religions. Um, and, and there's a common denominator across all of them is that they all like Jesus. They just don't like Jesus' followers. <laughs> and they may disagree with some, you know, religious texts. And they may disagree with a pastor. And they may disagree with some. But they all like the person of Jesus. Everyone likes Jesus. Everyone wants a king like Jesus. And I was thinking, well, why is this the case? Why is this the case? And if you look at scripture, you even see, you know, Jesus was constantly followed everywhere that he went. He, he only had three active years of ministry on the earth. And, and during all of those three years, he was constantly, it was actually became a problem for him. That everywhere he went, there were these just massive crowds. And, and we read about the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000. And those numbers, that was just the men. That's how the Jewish culture numbered. So you can add, you can multiply by, that by three at least, including the women and the children. That's how many people. He, he actually fed more like 15,000. Think of that, a crowd of 15,000 showing up to hear this teacher without a microphone, without lights, 
I mean, it, it, was, it was crazy. And, and oftentimes he would have to go off by himself just to pray and get some alone time. Many times he tried to spend time with his disciples and he would actually have to hide out in other cities and other regions. And so people followed Jesus, even though the crowds loved him and the religious people loved to hate him. So they were obsessed with him. They were always following him around as well. What made Jesus so appealing? What made Jesus so likable? I think it's because he was down to earth. One of the things, I think he was down to earth. I mean, literally, he came down to earth, right? That's the Christmas story. But, but I also want to take this and talk about how Jesus was down to earth and how it's demonstrated through not only his birth, but through his life that he was down to earth. So I've been thinking, what makes people down to earth? And the next three Sundays, we'll be talking about three different attributes of Jesus that made him down to earth that we can incorporate into our own lives. And the first one this morning is humility. Humility. Humility was one of the hallmarks of Jesus's ministry, of who he was, what he did, how he operated. And so therefore, it needs to be one of ours as well. Um, But humility is one of those things you know, when I say humility, maybe you think of someone who's, um, you know, maybe not harsh or someone who, who thinks that they're not perfect or someone who treats everyone equally. I want to kind of encourage you to kind of rethink what humility is. I've, as I've done word studies and, and, and stuff like that on the word for humility in Scripture, it, it actually means something a little bit bigger than I think that we make it oftentimes. So let me give you a definition for humility. Humility is accurately determining who's in charge and acting accordingly. Humility is accurately determining who is in charge and then acting, proceeding, living according to that truth. That's, that's what the core of humility is. Sometimes you walk into a room and, and you determine who's in charge. Sometimes it's you, depending on where you work and maybe at your home, uh, maybe at, at church, you've been given authority in a certain area. Sometimes it's you. Usually it's not. <laughs> that's why I get so mad at traffic because people assume that they're in charge of my car. You see, you know what I mean? When they cut you off, when they, which by the way, this, just, this is a public service announcement. When there's no light and there's a turn area, you go all the way past the turn area. You don't just whip around the corner. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I want to see you nodding your heads, okay? This is the most important, it's not the most important part. It's just a PSA for you guys right now. Amen, amen. I'm getting some amens. I love it. So it's determining who is in charge and acting Accordingly, you know, you are want, you're going to want to be you focused. That's going to be your disposition. Your your natural disposition is to be you focused, to think about yourself, how things, well, how does this affect me? What do I think? What will I do? But when you're walking in humility, instead, you're accurately determining who's in charge. And most likely, most of the time, it's not. You. It's not you. Now, the word that's used for being humble or showing humility in Scripture is closely tied to someone's opinion of themselves. 
Now, we know that humble people don't brag because they know that their success is shared with other people, right? But, but not bragging is not humility. Not bragging is a symptom of humility. Do you see? Because the person that doesn't brag has already accurately determined who's in charge. They know that God's in charge, so they have nothing to brag about. Are you with me? So we've got to figure out how to be humble. Now, the opposite of humility is pride. Pride says, I'm in charge, I'm in control, no matter if that's true. (laughs) Pride says, I'm, I'm going to force my will upon someone else, even if it's not appropriate right now. A prideful person says, I did this when he received benefit from others. A prideful person operates from an independent heart that's not accurately determining who's really in charge. Now, Let's talk about false humility for a second. False humility masquerades as humility. False humility is when you tear yourself down in order to lift someone else up. That's not necessary. You don't have to tear yourself down in order to lift someone else up. Could you imagine walking into your boss's office and say, Hey, I'm a terrible person. What do you want me to do today? You don't have to do that. You simply say, hey, you're the boss. What do you want me to do today? You don't have to lower yourself in order to exalt someone else. That's false humility. It's rampant in the church. And you'll hear people say things like, well, Lord, I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. No, you're not. Do you sin? Yeah, we all do. But are you a sinner? Not according to God. And if humility is accurately determining who's in charge, and God's in charge, and God said you're not a sinner, then guess what? A humble person knows they're not a sinner. Because they're not substituting their own feelings of inadequacy for what God says about them. Are you with me? And, and, And so false humility actually really damages the church. It keeps us thinking that and acting like we are still sinners when we've been declared saints. I'll give you an example of how this works out. Oftentimes, during worship, God will speak to people, and he'll say something that's for the whole group, and that's going to be a benefit and a help to the whole group. Humility says, I'm going to give that word because God's in charge. False humility says, uh, they wouldn't want to hear from me. I, I'm not as good a speaker as Cynthia. And, and I might, it might not be right, and there are other people that God can use to, that's false humility and it hurts the body of Christ. How dare you substitute your opinion of you over God's? So false humility is not humility. And sometimes what we, what we, what we think is, is arrogance is simply confidence in who God is. Arrogance is confidence in who you are. But humility is confidence in who God is. Do you see the difference? I, I, just to sum this, this up, this definition of humility is a quote from C.S. Lewis I've shared before, but I just love it so much. He says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's just not being obsessed with yourself. It's not running every decision that other people make, every environmental factor. It's not running it through the, the, the lens of yourself. And it's just saying, hey, it's not 
tearing myself down. It's simply building others up. Here's what we know from Scripture. Jesus was down to earth because Jesus was humble. Jesus was humble. John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus is talking. He's getting in trouble uh, with the religious people. And he says this, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. He's defending some of the things that he'd been doing, some of his teachings, some of his healings, some of his stuff like that, particularly healing on the Sabbath that really made the religious people mad. And he's saying, look, look, I'm simply doing what the father is saying to do. That is humility. That is accurately determining who's in charge. Jesus was like, look, I'm not in charge here. I didn't make the decision to do this. I simply made the decision to follow God. And God is the one who's saying to do this. That is humility. Jesus accurately determined who was in charge. And scripture is chock full of times when Jesus said, hey, I'm simply doing what God says. Therefore, Jesus was humble. Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 8 is a powerful passage where the Apostle Paul is talking to the people in Philippi and he's saying, hey, look, we have an example. And I was praying this in the prayer room before. It's amazing to me that God, like the God who made everything, who's awesome, that God said, hey, I know it's tough sometimes. I know it's hard to know how to act sometimes. So guess what? I'm just going to demonstrate it to you. I'm going to show you how to do it. And so Jesus came and he lived the life of humility that God wants from us. He said, look, here's how you do it. And just because you're forgetful, we're going to write this thing down. (laughs) And in case you can't read or you don't like to read, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to be whispering in your ear the whole time and guiding you and guarding you and teaching you. Ain't God good? It's awesome. So Paul is writing to the Philippians, and he says this, chapter 2, 3 through 8. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Now, I love that phrase, thinking of others as better than yourselves. What, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you think others are better than you. That means as if they were better than you. I'll give you an example. Are you ready? Chick-fil-A. Like, you go to Chick-fil-A, and they treat you like a king. It's like, what do you want, sir? Um, I'll take chicken. Excellent choice. My pleasure. It's like, wow, I make good choices. I could have the chicken or the chicken. Hey. I mean, I mean the, the, the way that they serve is unreal. Now, does the Chick-fil-A employee think that you're better than them? No, hopefully not. That'd be false humility. But they're treating you as if you were. So that's what, it's, that's what it means. When it says, when it says uh, in, in the scripture, it says, um, be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. It's service. It, it's, you don't think people are better than you, but you're treating them as if they were. Verse 4, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Again, being humble is being other-focused. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, 
He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled, that's the third humble we've read, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So not only did Jesus accurately determine who was in charge, but he acted accordingly. He patterned his life around who God said that he was, and he laid down his life in a life of humility towards others. Jesus was unbelievably humble. Not just the life that he lived, but think about the birth, the way that he was born into such humble circumstances. I mean, most kings, when they show up, there's a lot of fanfare. Trumpets are blowing, and, and you know, it's, it's a big deal. But when Jesus came, he came in humility. He came to demonstrate humility, and this is what made him so down to earth. So if Jesus was humble, it only follows that we, his followers, should be humble as well. We should be humble as well. For whatever, there we go. Jesus' followers should be humble also. Let's look at a few scriptures here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves so that he may exalt you. Now, to exalt means to lift up. How many of you want to be lifted up by God? It's a good thing. Yeah, it's not arrogant to want to be lifted up by God. Sure. Right? God put that desire for greatness in all of us. Not so we would go achieve it on our own, but so we would let him make us great. So he says, humble yourself, humble yourself, accurately determine that he's in charge and act accordingly. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you. He may exalt you. So your exalting is dependent on something. That's a may. So who's in charge of whether or not you're going to be exalted? It's not God. It's you. You get to determine whether or not God's going to exalt you. Isn't that what scripture says? Based on what? Whether or not you humble yourself. So if you're not exalted, if you're not lifted up, don't get mad at God. He's already told you how this works. I will lift up, I will exalt those who do what? Humble themselves. If you feel unexalted, if you feel like you're not lifted up, then you need to look at your humility. Look at your own humility level. Ask yourself, am I accurately determining who's in charge and am I acting accordingly? Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. It says, those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. They're inversely proportional. So one goes up, the other goes down. Self-exaltation, as that goes up, uh, then God's exaltation goes down. Right? As humility goes up, then God's, as, as, yeah, as humility goes up, then God's um, helping of you and exalting of you and lifting up of you goes up as well. James chapter 4, verse 6. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You've heard that one before? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The King James Version says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And so this is interesting. King James says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The next verse says, resist the devil and he will flee. Those words resist are two different things. And the the translations that say oppose, that's the right translation. That's a better translation. 
When it says resist the devil and he will flee from you, that word is more like to withstand, like to, like to bear up underneath, to resist and be like, no, we're not doing that. Okay? That's what I, but the resist that's translated oppose in newer translations, it's a totally different word. And the word oppose, it means to oppose in battle and to arrange oneself against. All right, think of the game of chess where, where, where you're trying to move your pieces, right? And, and, and when someone moves their piece one way, you move your piece another way, right? All right, some of you are like, I don't play chess. Okay, think of tic-tac-toe. Some more years just like, <laughs> you know, someone puts an X and you put an O and you're actively trying to block them from getting three in a row. That's the word that's used here. Y'all, that's crazy. That means that God is actively positioning himself against those who are not humble. Humility is so important. As a matter of fact, we need to watch out how we treat other people when it comes to humility. Because God may just have to get on their side to protect them from you. God opposes the proud. This is important. This matters. And if you find yourself, you feel like your life, you're beating your head against a brick wall, maybe humility is in order. So, really quickly, how do we walk in humility? Jesus walked in humility. He demonstrated us. So Jesus' followers, therefore, must walk in humility. How we do it? Let me give you three easy steps. Three easy steps. You'll never, okay, this is going to be hard. I'm just warning you right now. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy. Here's the first one. Understand authority. A key to walking in humility is to understand authority. Now, look, we, we're so fiercely independent. Our Western American mindsets, we don't like authority. We're like, oh, I'll do what I want to. I'm independent. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Okay, let me just let you know. These are the two realms that you care about. Heaven. Hey, one day, right? Earth. Oh, right now. That, so wherever, whatever's going on in your life, heaven and earth really matter. So who has authority? Jesus does. I've been given authority over heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We know that is the Great Commission. Humble people understand that Jesus is in charge. Now, authority... Authority is the right to make and enforce the rules. The right to make and enforce the rules. Now, in Hebrew, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew, the New Testament's written in Greek. In Hebrew, the word for humility, it can be translated to be submissive, to submit to. To be humble is to submit to. Again, we don't like submission. We don't like someone else having a say over our own lives. We like to think that we have control over our own destiny. And God has given us free will. But people who walk in humility understand authority. They understand that God is in charge. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, the scripture says that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's a crazy statement. Rebellion 
being unsubmissive, is as the, it's, not, it's not the sin of witchcraft. It's like the sin of witchcraft. They're, God considers them on equal footing. You know, imagine if you were invited over to someone's house for dinner, you didn't know them really well, you walk in and all, and then like there's like this pentagram on the floor and candles are lit and like there's all these satanic things all over that you'd be like, whoa, I'm not going in there. That's crazy. Uh-uh. Homie, don't play that. Right? You'd be like, uh uh-uh, uh. That's we don't do this. Uh-uh. You should be just as terrified of rebellion in your life and the life of your friends and family. Because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You should be just as horrified if one of your friends says to you, look, I know scripture says this, it's probably right, but I'm just not going to live my life this way. That should terrify you. It's a really big deal. We've got to understand authority. Look, you're not always in charge, nor do you want to be. See, see, control is an illusion. I've used this illustration before. You don't really want to be in control of everything. You just think you do. Last year, we came back from South Africa, Tiffany and my oldest son, Ethan, and uh, the flight over there was great. A little bit of turbulence, not bad. On the way back, oh my goodness, worst turbulence I've ever felt. It wasn't just like this up and down kind of stuff. Like it felt like the plane was like shimmying. It was, it was this crazy feeling. And, and I was like being, you know, yes, it's okay. We're doing it. internally. I was like, ah, right. I don't want to die over the ocean, you know. And then it, and it settled out. It was awesome. It was, it was, it was cool that we just began to pray. It was, it was, God really moved. I really, I genuinely believe that us praying in faith, like helped stop that. But in, in that moment, panic was setting in. Why was, why was I panicking? Well, because I wasn't in control, but would it have been any better if they said, Mr. Nunley, we understand you're a pastor. Would you please come pilot this plane? That's even worse. See, you don't really want control. You don't really want control. Control is an illusion. You want, you, want to, you want to find real authority, which is found in Jesus. Here's the cool thing. When you walk under Jesus' authority, you will walk in Jesus' power. How many of you want Jesus' power in your life? We all do, right? We need Jesus. Okay, therefore, you have to walk in his authority. If you walk in your own authority, you're in charge, then you're get, you will get your results which are not the same as Jesus' results. So the first step to walking in humility is to understand authority. Here's the next one. To walk in meekness. Oh, there's a word that we don't understand. Meekness. I mean, how many times have you heard someone, (laughs) I'll tell you what, that guy right there, he is meek. (laughs) Woo, that guy's meek, I tell you what. (laughs) It's just not something we say. (laughs) So what are you looking for in a potential mate? <laughs> meekness. All right? <laughs> we just don't think about meekness. Let me give you a quick definition of meekness. Meekness is freedom restrained by wisdom. Freedom, I can do this, I cannot do this. Freedom restrained by wisdom. In other words, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Matthew 5, 5, we know this is the Beatitudes, Jesus is teaching. He's talking about a way to live your life in such a way that you'll be happy or blessed or blessed if you've been to church a long time. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit 
the earth. The meek will inherit the earth. You've heard that before. It's actually made it into our common vernacular. And so, so blessed are or happy are the meek. Happy are those that know that they can do something, but wisdom restrains them from doing it. It's a happy way to live. Uh, I'll give you a biblical example of, of Jesus here. Um, when, when Jesus was betrayed um, and, and they're marching him, him off to you know, his, his uh, illegal trial in the middle of the night, um, he says, look, I could have legions of angels here and we could bust this whole thing up. That would not be hard for me to do. Did he do it? No. So he had the ability, he had the freedom to do it, but he restrained it by wisdom. Why? Because he had you in mind. He knew the end result that his crucifixion and resurrection would yield. So he restrained what, there was a part of Jesus that didn't want to be marched off to his own illegal trial. There was a part of Jesus that didn't want to be crucified. We know this. He's praying. He's like, Lord, if there's any way, let this cup pass. He's sweating drops of blood. But he told that part of him, no, he was meek. He restrained his freedom because of wisdom. I had an example when I was uh, in secular employment. I had a disagreement with a guy. Uh, we were working with a client, and he told the client to do a certain thing, and it wasn't working. The client called back. They were angry and wanted to speak with him, and he wasn't available. So I was like, so can I help you? And they explained what was going on. And I, was, and I, I shouldn't have said this. I said, well, I don't know why I told you to do that. Here, let's do this instead. And it, they, everything worked out. They were happy. Well, he heard me say that to the client. So in front of everyone, all right, this is like, cubicle land and everyone looked like prairie dogs looking up over over their cubes he gets in my face he starts yelling i learned some new words that day he's throwing them all at me don't you ever tell a client there's spit like it spits like i'm like don't please don't land on my lip please like it was just this right and i'm sitting there thinking i'm like i could squash you right now (laughs) I could pummel you in front of this entire office. And I could embarrass you because I know what you told this client that was wrong in front of everyone. And they would know, they would rally to my defense. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, wait for it. (laughs) Wait for it. And he had me practice meekness. And after the guy was finished spitting and cussing, I looked at him and I said, man, I'm so sorry. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. You're right. Um, and I apologize. Will you forgive me? And he was like, what, what, wait. Um, yeah, but don't you ever. Then, you know, round two. And later that afternoon, my boss called me into her office. And she said, I just want to let you know something. Um, you know, what happened between you and that coworker, I apologize for. I've actually already talked to him, and I've told him that he was wrong. You were right. The way he acted was wrong. The way you acted was right. And I told him he should be more like you. So the Lord defended me because I chose meekness. Now, I haven't, no, I haven't always chosen meekness, okay? That was a positive story. I've got about eight negative ones just flooding my brain right now. But that's an example of power under restraint. Of, of, of freedom restrained by wisdom is meekness. Meekness lends itself to humility. 
You know, when someone is, not tre- is treating people equally and not, and not being arrogant and proud, they're actually practicing meekness. They're actually intentionally, intentionally giving credit away to other people. It's meekness. It's a lost art. But it's one of the keys to humility. It's what Jesus demonstrated, and it's what Jesus' followers should walk in. Here's the last one. Embrace service. Embrace service. Matthew chapter 20, 20 through 28. I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time, but it's really funny. Um, the, the mother of James and John comes up to Jesus, and, and the, uh, they're there with her. And the mother comes up to Jesus and says, Oh, Jesus, I just have one request, and here's what it is. When you enter into your kingdom, please grant that my two sons will sit at your right and at your left. Jesus sees through the charade. He looks at the two sons, not the mom, and says, you don't know what you're asking. He knew they put her up to it, right? He goes, you don't know what you're asking. He's like, you, you, you're, you're, not thinking, you're not thinking humble. You're not thinking kingdom. You're not thinking of the way that I want you to live. He says, he says this. Verse 20, uh, let's start at verse 25. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, followers of Jesus, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Look, Jesus' followers don't fight over who gets to be served. We contend for who gets to serve the most. The fights I want to break up in our church are the, no, I want to serve. No, I want to serve. I want to serve. Not, hey, okay, I want you, you know, you're on my team. And, right? That, that's, not the, that's not a kingdom mentality. And thank God we don't have that mentality here. But we've got to protect so that we keep that mentality gone, Right? Look, Christianity is one big game of follow the leader. Whatever Jesus is doing is what we do. What did Jesus do? He served. So guess what we do? We serve. The more you serve, the more you look like Jesus. And the more you'll embrace humility. And the more down to earth you'll be and this church will be and the more inviting it will be to a lost and dying world. Because Jesus was down to earth. And my question for you this morning is this. Are you walking in humility like Jesus did? Are you actively trying to be humble? Are you being down to earth too? Let's stand for prayer. I'm looking forward to these next few messages where we talk about being down to earth. And we see how Jesus demonstrates it. I know you guys are going to do great. But here's one of the main keys. One of the main keys to walking in humility and the other attributes and characteristics that we're going to discuss in the coming weeks is letting the Lord empower you to do it. Okay? Letting the Lord empower you. So I want to lead you in a prayer where you do that exact thing, where you invite the Holy Spirit to come and move in your life and show you how to be humble just like Jesus was humble. So if you will, close your eyes. 
and pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, you demonstrated humility to me. I am a Jesus follower. Therefore, I want to be humble. But I need your help to show me how. I don't want God to oppose me. So I choose to understand authority. And to walk under your guidance. I choose to embrace meekness. Just because I can do something. Doesn't mean I should do it. So Holy Spirit tell me. When to restrain myself. In meekness. And finally I embrace service. Show me how to serve. May my service be the result of following you and your humility. Not the desire to be seen by others. Thank you for serving me. And thank you for demonstrating humility. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Tiff, will you close us? Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.